This morning we'll be considering together the first 12 verses. Last week we uh, finished Acts chapter 12 considering the way in which King Herod came to that sudden and severe judgment. And we come to Acts chapter 13 with a beautiful contrast because the Lord has designs here to save this man named Sergius Paulus. He is the proconsul on the island of Cyprus. Our text begins in Antioch and somehow... The good news of Jesus Christ travels all the way to Antioch because the Lord has deser- de- de- decided to save. He has determined to save this one sinner named Sergius Paulus. And so we have this beautiful picture set before us here in Acts chapter 13 of the spirit-led life of the church. Here we get to see how it is that Jesus, in his exaltation, continues to seek and to save the lost. Well, let's give our careful attention to the word of God. This is Acts chapter 13, the first 12 verses. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. In Ezekiel chapter 34, it is prophesied about Jesus saying, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and seek them out, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. Well, when Jesus came to fulfill this prophecy, he said of himself, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The heart of Jesus is revealed in this way in the gospel. The very reason why Jesus left the glories of heaven behind was because he had his heart set on seeking and saving the lost. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that Jesus' revealed will is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, the very reason why the sun came up this morning, the very reason why this world continues to travel around the sun, and the very reason why the Lord Jesus Christ has not yet returned is because Jesus is still seeking to save sinners. But what does that look like? Since Jesus ascended into heaven some 2,000 years ago, how does he continue to seek and to save the lost? Well, that is what our text is all about. Here in Acts chapter 13, we witness the glorious way in which Jesus continues to seek and to save the lost. Here we meet this man named Sergius Paulus because King Jesus made it his aim to save his lost soul. Who is this man? Well, Sergius Paulus was the proconsul on the island of Cyprus. He was a civil servant living without any real regard for God. This man is not seeking after God. We don't really know much more about him other than the fact that he has this close friend named Elymas. And what we learn about Elymas is that he, st he stood opposed to the advancement of Christ's kingdom. His only earnest desire in this text is to keep his friend Sergius from coming to faith in Christ. And so our text centers on this one man, Sergius Paulus, whom the Lord Jesus has determined to save. And yet our text begins in Antioch, not in Cyprus. So how will the good news of Jesus Christ reach this one man? How is it that the risen Christ will direct his church to bring the good news of God's saving grace to this man who lives out on the island of Cyprus? In John chapter 16, Jesus told his disciples that he would soon go away. And hearing this news, their hearts were filled with sorrow. But Jesus said, them, he said to them, listen, it is good that I go away. He said, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. He said, if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth and he will glorify me. Well, here in our text this morning, we see the Lord Jesus Christ continuing his mission to seek and to save the lost even from his throne room in heaven. Here we see how Jesus continues his mission to seek and to save the lost through the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit as he leads the life of the church. And so let's begin our consideration this morning seeing first that the Holy Spirit prepares and empowers. Again, our text takes us back to the young church in Antioch. And you will remember that this body of believers was formed through the faithfulness of God's people. Persecution had forced them to flee from Jerusalem, and they went into this sinful city of Antioch speaking of Jesus 
And it was through this witness of the church that Christ was pleased to plant a new church. And here in God's word, our attention is taken back to this young church so that we might observe the way that the spirit leads the life of the church. And as we observe this church, we are intended to gain a vision for the life of every local church. We are to see here in the text a model for ourselves. And so beginning here, we see how the Holy Spirit prepares and empowers Observe how the passage begins. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. And then the text goes on to name these five men with varied backgrounds. We know something about two of these men, but we don't really know much about the three others. But suffice it to say, they were the prophets and teachers that God had provided in Antioch. And so seeing this, we should note that the Holy Spirit works through a variety of gifts and experiences to provide for and to propel the local church. So how did the Lord Jesus provide for his church through these men? How did he prepare and empower the church to accomplish his will in this world? Well, what we see is that these men, these prophets and teachers, led the church to attend to the things of the Spirit. These men led the church to attend to the Holy Spirit. How so? Well, in three ways. First of all, these men led the church through their teaching. They were, after all, the prophets and teachers of the church. And they are here fulfilling the Great Commission. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What we see in Antioch is that the church went into Antioch and they're taught everything that the Lord Jesus had commanded. And so the Holy Spirit prepares and empowers the church through the teaching ministry of the church. And this teaching ministry of the church is preparing the hearts and the minds of God's people to do his will in this wor world. So second, these men then led the church in worship. Notice how verse 2 begins. While they were worshiping the Lord. Should it come as any surprise that it was while the church was attending to God in worship that the Holy Spirit told them to set aside Barnabas and Saul. Now we're going to consider that selection more here in a moment, but for now let us focus upon the fact that it was while the church was gathered together in worship that the Holy Spirit selected these men. The church is here being formed and fashioned through their worship of God. Worship is, after all, the center of all of life. You are a worshiper. And there is no way around that. You will, in the end, Give your worship to something or someone. And whatever you worship will form you. You will become like whatever you worship. And as those who know the grace and forgiveness of God in the gospel of Jesus, the worship, our worship, the worship of our God and Savior forms us to fulfill his will for our lives. Knowing the grace of God in Christ and worshiping him is what here readied Saul and Barnabas and the rest of the church to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit was 
preparing and empowering the church as a whole and Barnabas and Paul in particular to fulfill God's will through worship. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost and through the teaching and worship of the church, the Holy Spirit shaped hearts and lives to then go to this world with the gospel to seek and to save the lost. Well, third, these men led the church in prayer. And they led the church in our text in prayer that was accompanied with fasting. In the Institutes, Calvin wrote that whenever men are to pray to God concerning any great matter, it would be beneficial to appoint fasting along with prayer. That is one of the purposes of fasting. It aids us in our seeking after the will of God. And here we see the early church fasting alongside their prayers or in their prayers for the purpose of seeking the Lord's leading. They were fasting in prayer in order to discern how the Lord would lead them to reach this world around them. The Shorter Catechism says that prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will. Well, that is actually what we see the church doing here in their uh, fasting and prayer. In their prayers, they are offering up their own lives to God so that their lives might be used according to God's will. Here they are praying according to what Paul would later write in 2 Corinthians 5.15. And I wonder if Paul writes to the Corinthian church because of what he witnessed here in the church in Antioch. He writes in 2 Corinthians 5 saying, For the love of Christ controls us. Why? He goes on to say, Because Christ died for us so that we might no longer live for ourselves but for him who for our sake died and was raised. This is what the Apostle Paul sees in the church in Antioch. He is there praying and fasting with them, and there he witnesses the great gratitude that overflows from the heart of the church because they were captivated by the fact that they were saved by the free grace of God. So how does Jesus continue to seek and save the lost? Well, he does so by way of his spirit. It is as the church attends to the things of the spirit through teaching, worship, and prayer with fasting that their hearts are formed to follow Christ as he leads in seeking and saving the lost. We might summarize this by saying it is as the church attends to the ordinary means of grace. That Jesus prepares and empowers God's people to go into this world, to carry out his mission to seek and to save the, life, the, the lost. The Lord Jesus designed to save Sergius Paulus. He is all the way out in Cyprus. This is the church gathered in Antioch. But the Lord Jesus designed to save Sergius Paulus by first stirring up the hearts of God's people through teaching Worship and prayer. And so that brings us to our next observation this morning. So second, let us see that the Holy Spirit then selects and sends. The Holy Spirit selects and sends. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Clearly, the work of selecting and setting apart is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit-led church will intentionally seek the Spirit 
for this leading. But notice how this selecting happens within the church or through the church and not apart from the church. Too often today, people act as if this selecting of the Holy Spirit uh, comes apart from the church. But that is not what we see here in God's word. No, instead, we see that as the church attends to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit himself leads the church, selecting those who will serve in certain ways. We see this clearly in verses 3 and 4. Look at the text. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Did you hear how God's word underscores the relationship between the selecting and sending of the Holy Spirit and the selecting and sending of the church? They are the same. They go together. They do not happen apart from one another. Verse 3 tells us that the church laid hands on these men and sent them off. And then verse 4 goes on to describe the very same event saying that they were sent off by the Holy Spirit. So this selecting and sending by the Holy Spirit, it happens in and through the church. A few months ago, I met a man who was starting a new church in town. And he asked if we could get coffee and get to know one another, and so we did. And as we talked, I asked him about how he came to town and why he was starting a church. And he told me that the Holy Spirit had laid it on his heart to come to town and to start this new church. And so I asked him about his church background and who was sending him. Well, it turned out that no one was sending him. But this uh, sending of the Holy Spirit, this supposed sending of the Holy Spirit, was something that happened apart from the church. He was leaving his church to go and start a different church. But we turn together in God's word. Because it doesn't really matter what I think. We turn together in God's word to Acts chapter 13 to see that the Holy Spirit does not select and send apart from the church. He does it through the church. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, it means that we need to seek the Holy Spirit's leading for us. It is through the church that the Holy Spirit selects and sends. And so we as a church ought to humble ourselves and intentionally seek the Spirit's leading for our service to God in this world. Now notice this as well. This too is important. Look at verse 5. It says, When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. It's a simple note. What is the significance of it? That note there is about John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark. It just simply says he was there to assist them. What's the significance of that? Well, the Holy Spirit had set apart Barnabas and Saul in this official capacity through the laying on of hands. But notice that the church also sent with them John Mark for their assistance. This simple observation helps us to see that God organizes the church according to his will. And he organizes the church with differing gifts and callings within the church, all for the same purpose. It's for his glory, and it is so that we might seek to carry out God's will in this world. 
Paul and Barnabas served in a special way. John Mark came alongside them and served in another way, but all of them are serving. And so we see that in the spirit-led life of the church, God accomplishes his will as each part of the body serves according to God's design. But what we see here in our text is reinforced throughout the word of God. For example, in the book of Numbers, we read about how God organized his people after he had redeemed them out of Israel and as they made pilgrimage to the promised land. And what we see there is that in some way, everyone served. Everyone had a role to play within the life of God's people in their pilgrimage from Egypt to the promised land. No one served in the same way, or not everyone served in the same way, but all served in some way. What we read in the book of Numbers is that that service differed among God's people for a variety of reasons. Differed because of age, it differed because of experience, it differed because of season of life, and some of it differed simply because of God's appointment. All served, but not all in the same way. Well, we see the same thing in the New Testament church. Here in our text, we see that the whole church is engaged in the service of God in worship. We also see that the whole church is seeking to serve God and find the leading of the Holy Spirit together corporately through fasting and prayer. But this text also then shows us how these individuals, Barnabas, Saul, and Mark, each served in the way that God's Spirit led. All of this is very reflective of what Paul wrote to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 12. He said, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. One body, many parts. Every part important and gifted and called to serve. Serve in different ways according to age, experience, calling, gifting, and so on. Paul, in fact, goes on there to give some different examples. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The Spirit-led church will earnestly seek the selecting and sending of the Holy Spirit. Seeing that there is one body but various gifts, we ought to go together to God in prayer, seeking his will that we might understand the gifts that differ among us according to the grace given, and then use them. Here in our text, the Lord Jesus has selected and sent Barnabas and Saul by the Holy Spirit through the church because he has determined to save Sergius Paulus. The Lord's love already rests upon the proconsul of Cyprus. And all the way in Antioch, Jesus is deploying the gifts and graces of his church, the ones that he arranged within the church in order to bring this gospel grace to an unsuspecting sinner. So what happens when Paul and Barnabas are sent out? Well, that brings us to our final observation this morning. The Holy Spirit fills and fulfills 
The Holy Spirit fills and fulfills. In Numbers 4, God organized his people for his service. And in verse 23, our English translations all say something like they were organized to serve or to do service or to perform service. Joe, Joel Beakey writes, saying that this can also be translated, war the warfare. It's quite a difference. But he says about that language, he says, serving the Lord Jesus brings the believer into a spiritual battle. For the enemy is opposed to the things of Christ. From this conflict, there is no escape. He who is a servant of Christ is also a soldier of Christ as well. That's what we see here in our text. No sooner do Barnabas, Saul, and Mark engage in the service of God than that they find themselves opposed by this one who is seeking to keep another from the faith. Serving the Lord Jesus brings the believer into a spiritual battle because there is a real enemy who is opposed to Christ. So what does this mean? Well, it means that we should not be surprised when we are in the service of the Lord. When we are seeking to bring the gospel to lost friends and family members, we should not be surprised when we face opposition. But it also means that we should engage in that spiritual battle with the spiritual resources that we see God giving here in our text. So what are those spiritual resources? Well, let's read from verse 6 again just to remind ourselves of the context. It says, When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came as far, or I'm sorry, they came upon a certain magician. A Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, he was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. What are the spiritual resources that God has given for the spiritual battle? Well, first of all, we see the courage of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 9, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently upon him and said. That word intently is used three times in the book of Acts. All three of them in reference to the apostle Paul. Here in our text, he is looking intently upon this enemy of the gospel. In the next chapter, he's looking intently upon a paralyzed man before he heals him. And then in chapter 23, Paul is arrested. He's finally brought before the religious leaders. And as he stands before the council, he there looks intently upon all of them. Well, in each text, we see a tremendous amount of courage in the apostle Paul. But notice the connection here in our text. Where does this courage come from? Well, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is a fulfillment of Christ's promise. In John 14, Jesus told his disciples that they did not need to be afraid. In fact, he commanded them not to be afraid. And then he told them why they need not be afraid. And he said because he promised to give to them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would give them the courage that they need. And so here, the Lord Jesus seeks to save Sergius Paulus. How? 
by filling the heart of the Apostle Paul with his Holy Spirit, fulfilling his promise. That's the courage of the Holy Spirit. Second, we have here also the words of the Holy Spirit. Look at what the Apostle Paul said when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here he's opposed by this man, Elymas. What is he to say? Well, here's what he says. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. How did the apostle Paul know what to say? Jesus earlier had told his disciples that they do not need to be anxious about what they will say. Instead, they need to rely upon his promise of the Holy Spirit who would give them words to speak. The Apostle Paul was not there when that promise was given, but we see here that it was not meant for the original disciples alone, but for every disciple who is seeking first the kingdom of God. And so once again, we see the Lord Jesus seeking to save by filling with the Holy Spirit, fulfilling his promise. And then third, we have here the power of the Holy Spirit. What kind of power does Barnabas have? And what about the Apostle Paul, or how about John Mark? Well, in and of themselves, these men do not have power to do anything for Sergius Paulus or to do anything about Elemis. Because they are just like you and me. In and of themselves, they have no power to oppose that opposition that is coming against them. But because they were selected and sent by the Holy Spirit, they go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Christ's power is put on display as the Holy Spirit blinds the eyes of elements. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. The Lord Jesus determined to save the proconsul of Cyprus, of Cyprus. And when this opposition comes, it is quickly overcome with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has determined to seek and to save Sergius Paulus, no obstacle will remain in the way. This is not the power or strength of Paul and Barnabas. This is the power of King Jesus by way of his spirit. But then finally, we also see how Christ's power is put on display as he gives faith to Sergius Paulus so that he believes. How do we see the power of Christ on display in Sergius Paulus? Well, it's because we know what is true of Sergius Paulus from the word of God. When we meet this man, he is dead in his trespasses and sins. And being dead, he can do nothing for himself to bring himself to Christ. And yet look there at the text. Then the proconsul believed. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. God has made him alive together with Christ. This is nothing less than the sovereign love and grace of God coming to bear upon a sinner 
that Christ determined to seek and to save. So brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the reason why the sun came up today and the reason why the world continues to revolve around the sun and the reason why Christ has not yet returned is because he is still seeking and saving the lost. And Jesus' revealed will is that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Here we are in the presence of God, worshiping our risen Savior. And right now, as we worship the risen Christ, he has on his heart sinners who are still lost in their sins. He has men and women like Sergius Paulus. We may know them, we may not know them, but he is determined to save them. And here in God's word, he shows us how it is that he uses his people to bring the grace of the gospel to them. Sergius Paulus was not seeking after God. Make no mistake, God was seeking after him. And so while the church in Antioch was attending to the Spirit by teaching, worship, and prayer with fasting, the Lord prepared them and empowered them to carry the gospel. The Lord selected and sent by way of the church so that Paul and Barnabas would walk in these good works that God had prepared beforehand that they should walk in them. And because of the Holy Spirit's leading of the life of the church, this soul is saved to the praise and glory of God. What a glorious picture of how God continues to seek and to save the lost. What a magnificent privilege that God uses us in the church as the instruments in his hand for the salvation of souls that will be saved from hell and instead worship God forever. How does the risen and exalted Savior still seek and save the lost? From his glorious throne on high, Jesus seeks and saves the lost through the spirit-led life of the church. Through teaching, worship, and praying with fasting. Through the church, the Holy Spirit selects and sends according to gifts and callings. And through the promise and presence of the spirit, he fills and fulfills his promise that God will powerfully give life to those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. And so seeing the heart of the risen Christ here in his word, how do we respond? Well, let me suggest three ways. First of all, pray that we might share Christ's heart for the lost. Right now, he sits enthroned in heaven with certain sinners upon his heart. And they are upon his heart because he has already accomplished their salvation. And because he has accomplished it, he will unfailingly apply it to them. But how will he do so? He will do so through the church. He will do, do so through the leading of his Holy Spirit in the life of the church. 
to let us pray for the sanctification that is promised to us in the gospel, that we would be like Christ our Savior, and that our hearts would beat as his own, that we would be made like him in our desire to see the salvation of sinners. Pray that the Holy Spirit would give to us a vision for the advancement of Christ's kingdom as we attend to the things of the Spirit as a church. That leads us to the second. Pray that God would use the means of grace in the way that he has modeled here in his word. We don't need anything extra. We need what the word of God has given. And here we see that God uses the means of grace, the ordinary means of grace, to prepare and empower hearts to go into this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to burden believers' hearts for the salvation of lost souls. So pray that our weekly worship, teaching, and prayer will be the means by which he forms each of us and then employs us according to his will to seek and to save the lost. But then finally, let us believe. Let us believe upon the power of the Holy Spirit as King Jesus continues to seek and to save the lost. Let us believe that there is no obstacle that he will allow to stand in the way of those sinners that, is he, that he is seeking to save. Not even obstacles within our own hearts and lives. Let us believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to prepare us and to empower us. Let us believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to select and to send. Let's believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us according to God's promise. Let us rely upon the Holy Spirit to lead us as a church. It's interesting to think about who is it. Who is it? Who are those sinners that the Lord Jesus already knows? Like Sergius Paulus. There's a church in Antioch worshiping. He's going to go save Sergius Paulus by way of that church. Here we are worshiping in Black Forest. Who is already on the heart and mind of Christ? He's got a plan in place. It's perfect. And it cannot be thwarted. And you're a part of it. So who are these lost sinners that the Lord Jesus is seeking to save? Let us, hearing the word of God, earnestly seek the Holy Spirit so that we might together lead this spirit-led life to the glory and praise of God. Let us pray together. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word and the way in which you show us here your heart. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are powerful to save. And that everyone whom the Father has given to you will come to you and you will lose none of them. We thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. You said it is to our advantage that you go away so that we might have the Holy Spirit. Well, we ask 
humbling ourselves and earnestly seeking that your spirit would lead us to the glory and praise of your name. Will you lead us as your people to the ordinary means of grace to be formed and readied and sent out into this world carrying with us the good news of Jesus Christ because you will save lost sinners. And you, you have not returned because you are patient, not wanting any to perish, but that all should reach repentance. Will you powerfully work by your spirit to stir us up in worship each week, to remember the goodness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives so that we would tell of his salvation from day to day. Will you lead us as a church so that we might see your hand at work calling sinners out of darkness and into light? Will you send us to those who are still dead in their trespasses and sins? And will you powerfully make them alive together with Christ? Bless us as your people to be instruments used by you to the praise and glory of your name. We seek this all in accordance with your word. I'm praying in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, let's turn.